Well, in case you don't know who I am, uh, my name is Alex Evangelista. Um, I have been here for almost a month. I am one of the seminary interns here. Uh, I just finished a year in Scotland, um, and now I'm happy to be here with you all. The weather is a lot nicer here, except when it's really, really, really hot, which I think today will be a very warm day. Um, I'm currently finishing my Master's of Divinity at um, Princeton Theological Seminary, and I am not uh, foreign to Southern California as I finished my bachelor's at Azusa Pacific University. So now that you know a little bit more about me, let us go into prayer before we dig into the Word of God. Gracious God, as we breathe in and as we breathe out, we remember that this breath comes from you and from you only. You are life giver. Lord, as we gather together as the people of God, as we gather together to open up the scriptures, we are excited on how it will challenge us, how it would move us into action. So Lord, today I pray that you may open our eyes, open our ears to hear what you have to say to us this morning. And Lord, may the meditation of my heart, the words of my mouth be good and pleasing to you. And we ask this in your son's name. Amen. So our passage this morning comes from Genesis 21, 8 through 21. And it goes like this. And a child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on a day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham laughing. So she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman. Cast out the slave woman with her son, for the son of the slave woman should not be heir to my son Isaac. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever says Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water and the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes then she went and sat down opposite him, a good way off, about the distance of a bowshot. For she said, Let me not look on the death of this child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and she wept. And God heard the voice of the boy. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. And then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy, and he grew up. He lived in a wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, 
and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. The word of the Lord. So last week we had a chance to hear Reverend O'Grady speak about laughable grace. The story that surrounded two well-known characters of Abraham and of Sarah, both, as we both end up knowing, they end up in a faith hall of fame, as you can say, that we see in Hebrews 11. Isaac being the outcome of God's promise to Abraham and Sarah that Sarah would bear a child. And later down the storyline, when we get to Moses, God is typically referred to as the God of Abraham, as the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. See, God had a unique relationship with them, and their names are remembered. And in the passage today, we hear those names. We hear the name of Abraham, who throws a great feast for his son Isaac. We hear the name of Isaac, and we hear the name of Sarah. And the reason why I'm saying this is because the idea of hearing names is very important. Because in using people's names, the story humanizes them. The story gives dignity. It acknowledges their existence. It's the same way if I see a close friend. I don't say, hey, you, how are you? That would be strange, maybe weird, wouldn't it? No, I say, hey, Fred, hey, Melissa. It's nice to see you. Using people's names brings into reality that you care for someone, that they are known, that they are acknowledged. So as we go through the story, the story I read, we hear the names of Abraham, of Sarah, and of Isaac. And we hear the name of Hagar. And you know whose name we don't hear? Ishmael. Firstborn to Sarah, son to Hagar, in his name meaning God hears. God hears. Today I hope to give you, this young boy, a name. To hear his name, to hear his story, to give this story a name, Ishmael. So let's go back. Because Ishmael and Hagar's journey is pretty short. A story that spans Genesis 16 to 21. And after Genesis 21, we don't hear them again except from Ishmael's descendants that are listed in chapter 25. So I want to share the story with you. Genesis 6. It begins with a problem. Hagar is a slave girl to Sarah. She's been with this family for a while. And she sees Sarah, Abram's wife, has bore him no children. She may have overheard once that Abram had been promised descendants that outnumber the stars. Yet here they are with not even one child. And Hagar then hears her master, Sarah, speaking to Abram. Sarah is looking at Abram and tells him, Well, you have seen how the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my slave girl. It may be that I should obtain children by her. And Abraham listens to Sarah, and Hagar finds herself. She finds herself being taken as a wife to Abram. And then, boom, she conceives. Isn't this what you wanted, Sarah? She's confused, since she has found herself powerless in this scenario. She overhears Sarah talking to Abram, and she hears Abram say to Sarah, 
Your slave girl is in your power. Do to her as you please. Maybe she thinks, Abram, I was taken as your wife, yet now I will be dealt with harshly. So harshly that Hagar runs away. She can't stand it. And then God shows up. God tells her to to return. Now, where's the good news in that? But then, and then God promises to Hagar, I will so greatly multiply your offspring that they cannot be counted for multitude. You will be remembered and you should name your son Ishmael. And Ishmael, why? Because the Lord has given heed to your affliction. And then Hagar names God, El Roy, the God who sees. Now fast forward to what we heard last week. Hagar is raising her son. And she sees almost the impossible happen. Her mistress is pregnant at such an old age. This God who heard me, she may ask, she tells herself, this God who heard me and promised me a multiplication of offspring, this God is powerful. Because here is Sarah conceiving. The Lord dealt with Sarah as he had said, and Isaac was born. This laughable grace. But Hagar and her son, left to the margins of the story. And this is the story we return to today. And this is where we find ourselves today. A nameless boy in the Egyptian Hagar. Hagar's mistress speaks out to Abraham and tells him to cast out this slave woman and her son. Nameless characters to be left out of the story. And Abraham is distressed. He's reassured by God that God will take care of his other son, Ishmael, and he will make a nation of him also. So Hagar finds herself early in the morning, early in the morning receiving bread and a skin of water and being sent away into the wilderness. And Hagar journeys. And next thing you know, the water and the skin is gone. And Ishmael is crying. And she can't. She can't anymore. She seems to look upon the death of her child. She can't see that. So she sits him and she sat opposite of him and she lifts up her voice and she weeps. And then here is the important part. Verse 17. God heard the voice of the boy. God hears Ishmael. And an angel of God comes to Hagar and tells her, don't be afraid. God has heard his voice. Come, lift him up, hold him fast. And then God opens her eyes and she sees a well with water. And then the text says, the text says this, God was with the boy and he grew up. He became an expert with the bow. See, this story speaks of Hagar and Ishmael bringing voice to their story. See, this story is one of pain, a lack of reconciliation, This relationship with Sarah and this relationship with Abraham is never reconciled. Ishmael grows up without a father. And their story, this story is contrasted with Abraham and Sarah. Israelite Sarah in contrast with Egyptian Hagar. Sarah of a different social standing with being a master. And then Hagar of a lower social standing of being a slave girl. Abraham and Sarah whose lives continue and they're documented for us. 
Because we hear of Isaac and of Rebekah. We hear of Esau and of Jacob. We hear of Jacob and Rachel and Leah, of prosperity. And then we hear of Joseph. While Hagar and Ishmael are left to the wilderness, an unexpected plan of events, not what they had planned for themselves. And the story that begins with pain ends with the words, God is with them. God blesses them. God keeps God's promise. And this is because God heard their cry. God heard their cry. God heard their cry. Now, this sounds familiar, doesn't it? This idea that God hearing our cries, it sounds familiar, and it should. Because we find this throughout Scripture. God hearing their cries. In Exodus, when God hears the cries of the Israelites, God comes into the pain, and from the pain, he brings deliverance. When the Israelites find themselves in Babylon, God delivers them. Through Isaiah, the prophet, in chapter 61 in Isaiah, God speaks that he has come to provide for those who mourn in Zion. God, hearing their cry, says, give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. God, hearing their cries. And then the moment when Jesus arrives, in the Gospel of Mark, Mark writes of the first words Jesus speaks in the synagogue, where he unrolls the scroll of Isaiah and says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the release of the captives, the recovery of the sight of the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. See, Jesus himself responds to the cries of the world. And through the life and the death and resurrection of Jesus, we have life and life abundantly. And then even when Jesus ascends and the disciples seem a little lost, God hears them and sends the Holy Spirit to guide them, to convict them, to bring them hope that God is always with them. It's a reoccurring theme. God hears our cries. This is why this sounds familiar, because we see it throughout Scripture. So then we can say, yes, our faith, our faith proclaims this. God is the one who hears. God is the one who hears our cries. God hears the cries of those who are named, such as Abraham and Sarah. But today our story, our story today affirms, God hears the cries of those who sometimes aren't named, such as Ishmael. God hears the cries of Hagar, whose life was fulfilled with affliction. And our faith affirms, we worship God who hears the cries of those who are afflicted. In the moment we read today's story, we see God caring for those that the passage doesn't even name. God brings dignity and cares for them. Even when the story paints Hagar and Ishmael as the other, Hagar not being Sarah, Ishmael not being the one whose Abraham's offspring will be named after, which is Isaac. Even when we read the story of Genesis 16 to 21, I remember typically finding myself taking on Sarah's side and not even giving second thought to Hagar and to Ishmael. So today, I think our passage challenges us to name the nameless, 
to hear the cries of the one who was painted as the other in our story. We are challenged to ask ourselves, who in our life have we left voiceless? Who in our life have we left nameless? Maybe who in my family have I ignored? Which relationships in my life have I left unreconciled? Because today we can walk out the doors and have the chance that Sarah didn't take to be reconciled. Who have we left nameless? Who have we decided to just call the boy instead of using their names to bring into reality their humanness? Syrian refugees, they have names. They are people. Those undocumented immigrants, those whose cries are being heard by God, they have names. They have a story. Throughout the story of Hagar and Ishmael, we are left challenged. God cared for them. God heard their cries. And even when a narrative has had them in contrast to Abraham and Sarah, showing them as the potential other, God instead comes in. He blesses them with a multitude of descendants. And we, as the people of God, we're asked, I'm asking us, to have a heart for others in the same way that God does. We need to ask ourselves, who are the ones we have not been reconciled with? Who are the ones we have labeled as others instead of recognizing them as children of God? Who are the ones who are crying today? And how can we be a people of God who attend to those cries in the same way that God tends to them? See, I believe scripture is always comforting and challenging. Yes, we are comforted by the fact that God hears our cries. God hears our affliction. God comes into the chaos and God brings order. God comes into the pain and God brings deliverance. But we are also challenged. Who are the ones around us that we have forgotten to give them their names of loved, of accepted, a child of God? So let us be more like God. Let us reach out. Let us reconcile. And let us love one another in the way God loves us. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, you know and you see our efforts to change and to be renewed. As we come before you in prayer, may you help us to believe in ourselves as you believe in us. Just as you are compassionate and gracious, may we think of ourselves, of our own hearts, and be as compassionate to others as you are to us. Just as you are ever patient with us, may we be patient with you. May we trust that you hear us and you will answer in your time and in your way. Let us be excited to be in a relationship with you as you seek us out. To have a passion and a desire to be with you every day. That we may enter your word with fresh eyes every day, looking for what you have to say to us. May we be challenged molded and formed more into your son's image. And may the Holy Spirit guide us to see you for who you are, 
and to see ourselves as your people. May faith, hope, and love continue to grow in each other, in each of us, from this day and forevermore. Amen.